Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into today's podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear the conversation that I had with Jamie Grace. I know that you're going to walk away feeling so encouraged and so inspired. If you don't already know, every single Monday, a brand new podcast comes out from Inspiring Honey and is released on iTunes, Spotify, and inspiringhoney.com. Every single Thursday, a new blog post is released on inspiringhoney.com. Also, there's a huge community of Inspiring Honey followers and friends on Instagram. We're at over 17,000 people right now. Every day we're growing and building friendships and working for Jesus. He is totally working in that community, and I'm just so blown away and inspired by every single person there. So if you're not already part of that community, head over to Instagram and follow Inspiring Honey. Make sure you're checking inspiringhoney.com to stay up to date with blogs and stay up to date with free resources and the Honey Shop. Without further ado, let me introduce you to today's guest, Jamie Grace. Jamie Grace is a singer, songwriter, and actress. Originally from Atlanta, the two-time Grammy nominee, Dove Award-winning artist, got her start on YouTube when she was only 14 years old, creating characters for original improv sketches and sharing acoustic covers of popular pop country CCM gospel songs. With nearly 1.5 million followers across social media, Jamie Grace actively advocates for joy, wellness, and mental health through the lens of music, film, and faith. Diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, OCD, ADHD, and anxiety at a young age, her resilience gives her the fuel to create content regularly, including the recent release of her devotional, Waited Out, as well as weekly videos and podcast episodes on the Jamie Grace podcast in efforts to encourage others. With four number one radio hit singles and a gold record before she was even 25, Jamie Grace's music, videos, podcast episodes continue to inspire anyone who gets the time to listen. She's passionate about inspiring the next generation to find their voice and be a part of creative avenues to share their voice. In the year 2020, Jamie Grace is releasing new music every month, including the single Dream Big. In January, the EP Show Love under the name Harper Still, a duo she formed with her sister, Morgan Harper Nichols. Jamie Grace Harper Collins is now 28 and lives in Southern California with her husband, Aaron Collins, and their eight-month-old daughter, Isabella. Without further ado, let's hop into this conversation with Jamie. I can't wait for you to hear the conversation we had, the wisdom and joy and laughter that just pours out of this beautiful woman. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by CPI Spanish School in Costa Rica. Now is such an amazing opportunity because CPI Spanish School from Costa Rica is now extended their popular Spanish program with online classes for every level. So no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your understanding of Spanish is, you can take advantage of these classes. With more time on our hands because of everything going on and because of this season of summer, if you ever wanted to learn a second language, this is the perfect opportunity for you. CPI Spanish School is so amazing because it provides you the chance to learn a second language with friendly online native speaking Spanish instructors. You can take private classes or do so in group settings. It's your choice and whatever suits you. A second language is so amazing and so beneficial. It looks great on your resumes and provides more job 
opportunities that will help you better connect with the cultures around you. Costa Rica is also such a beautiful country, and if you ever get the chance to visit and travel there, you can go to CPI Spanish School in person, take in-person classes, and hit the beach afterwards. Or fly high on the famous zip lines and experience Costa Rican Pura Vida. You can try a online free class for 30 minutes by clicking the link that's in the description below. Again, thank you so much to CPI Spanish School. Guys, go and check that out. There will be a link for you to head to in the description where you can try a free 30-minute class. Hey, Jamie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yes, same here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, so there's two questions that I ask everybody that's on the podcast. And the first one is, can you tell me a few fun, random facts about what makes you, you? Oh, man. You know, I think it's, it's funny because my whole life I've told people that I hate shopping. And I, and I mean it. I don't like to go to the store. Um, it's just it's just overwhelming. I don't know why people go to stores. Um, but it wasn't until I got married that I realized that I don't hate shopping. My husband pointed out that I just hate shopping in person because I can spend so many hours on Amazon and I won't buy, like sometimes I'll buy stuff, but sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll just make a different wish list and shopping list and just put it in my <laughs> cart and then I'll just lock my phone. Um, so I think that's definitely one thing. And then, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of, like, really weird things about me like that. I, I like to bake, but I don't eat sugar. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just a funny, yeah, I could go on and on, but I don't want your listeners to be too weirded out too early on. So I'll keep I'll keep it at those for now. That is so funny. I also love to shop. I think my Amazon cart is, like, $2,000, and I don't intend on buying any of it. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, make different lists. I'm like, okay, this is what the baby's going to need when she's going to fifth grade. Like, this is, like, the bunk bed I'm going to buy her in four years. And it's just, like, unnecessary stuff. But I don't buy it, so I feel like it's okay. Yeah, exactly. I totally relate to that. I'm glad somebody else is like that, too. <laughs> so what helps you live inspired every day with um, music and motherhood and just life in general? Um, man, it's, it's crazy because it... I feel like it's changing so much, you know, it kind of used to be like the things I would, well, it's not so much that it's changing, but it's, it's expanding, if you will. So something that I've kind of always been inspired by and that I say that I'm forever inspired by are just people's real life stories, everyday stories, you know, um, oftentimes friends will reach out or, or, you know, I'm at the age where it's the kids of my friends will reach out and say I'm going through things or I'm overwhelmed or I'm confused or even I'm excited and I, you know, I'm anticip- anticipating something to happen in my life and I won't always know the, the words to say, but that will always kind of get the wheel spinning in my brain of like, okay, well, maybe I want to write them a song or maybe I want to try to share with them an encouraging quote or something and then it just kind of, these creative juices kind of start flowing from there. So that's definitely kind of one of the main places, but um, in this new season of life, you know, motherhood has been so inspiring. I've, I've always been, you know, I was single for, for most of my 20s, and so um, I I lived alone, and I would stay up until 3, 4, 5, I don't know, all night sometimes. In the morning or sometimes I would just stay up all night working on music, and then I would just 
fall asleep whenever and then sleep till noon or 3 p.m. and get up and do whatever. So I've never really been a morning person, if you will. Um, but being a mom, it's like, I mean, that little girl wakes up at 8 or 9 o'clock, and um, if not earlier, and she's just ready to face the world. And it's just given me such a cool, added perspective of, of just life and just, I don't know, it's just been really, it's really inspiring to just wake up with her in the mornings and have that time where I used to really despise the mornings, but now um, she's giving me such a reason to enjoy them and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things like sunrise and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> and I'm not in my office groggy. I'm, I'm seeing sunrise from, you know, the living room couch with Doc McStuffins on TV and it's, it's just like, perspective so yeah my, my kid is definitely adding to that I can totally relate to that I've never been a morning person um uh, but my son just makes the morning so much sweeter yeah it's like it's like no I don't want to wake up in the morning and then it's like oh hi I have the cutest smushiest face you've ever seen and it's like okay just kidding I do love the morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah as soon as he goes to bed I get so excited to go into his room and wake him up and just squish him and kiss his little cheeks Yes. Uh, yeah, babies are the best when they first wake up. Oh, they're so cuddly, too. Um, but tell me about what you do being a worship artist and having a career that's so public, but also leads so much inspiration into people's lives. Did you know that that's what you always wanted to do, or did it kind of just, like, stumble um, and just happen? Um. Yeah, I mean, thank, thank you, by the way. Um. I, I, I've always grown up just, like, wanting to do all the things. That was just kind of like a, a theme in my life. You know, I I know, um, I, I think we're probably around the same age. I don't know if you remember the show Zoom um, that was on, like, public television. We didn't have cable growing up. And it was, like, these kids that would, like, um, do, it was basically, like, a, a, a G-rated SNL. And so creative kids and so I always wanted to be on that show I always wanted to have my own show on Disney I wanted to have my own show on TVN I wanted to be a monkey trainer in the circus because I I was obsessed with monkeys still am Um, I wanted to be a farmer a horse trainer like I literally wanted to be everything and I think you know if you're familiar with the Enneagram I'm an Enneagram 7 so it makes a lot of sense but I've just always like just been interested in all the things and when I look back at everything that I wanted to do I realized like how much of everything I wanted to do always had some sort of connection to like human connection and like bringing joy to people's lives like um for finding peace so that you can pursue joy you know that's Mm -hmm. everything I've ever wanted to do has something to do with that and so in the grand scheme of things, it's like to see like the Lord speaking into people's lives and bringing joy to people's lives and, oh, he's using me to do it. Like that's not surprising in that context because one, I know the God that I serve and two, I'm grateful for the calling he has on my life. But in the like everyday sense of like me, a goofball and like the super awkward person, like people like want advice from me like that weirds me out so it just depends on like where I am emotionally like if I'm having like a hyper spiritual moment then I'm like yes God is using me like this makes sense but like if like I'm just like eating way too much pizza then I'm just like what is my life why do people care so 
You are so funny. I love how relatable that is. Just like wanting to do everything. Because as a kid, I was the same way. I wanted to do everything and anything. And also, too, like just being super goofy and being like, are you sure you want advice from me? Like, me? Right, right exactly. I'm just like, I, like, are you positive you can, like, trust me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's so cool, and I think that just how humble you are and just how down-to-earth you are is one of the huge reasons why people are able to relate to you so much and get that inspiration because you're not trying to, like, preach at them. You're just trying to relate with them and share your life and your experiences. Right. I mean, I, you know, yeah, like, and it's like, sometimes there are moments where, and I don't think this is a me thing, I think this isn't everybody thing, this is just a human thing, a human thing, but there are moments where you see someone doing something or they ask you for their advice and you know what the right answer is, you know, mm-hmm. like, someone's like, like, oh, my sister doesn't want to hang out with me. But, like, also, every time my sister's around me, I punch her in the face. So it's, like, obviously, okay, maybe stop punching your sister in the face and she'll want to hang out with you. Like, there are just some times where everybody's, like, we know the right answer. But, I mean, for the most part, the only way that I can really give someone advice is, like, one, direct them to the source where I get my help. And then, two, share my experience as a follower of that source, you know, as a connection to that source. And, um... I just, I try to do that because that's how the people in my life have been helpful. And yeah, it's just, it's, so I guess once you've received that kind of encouragement and support, it's just like, okay, well that, that's been really beneficial to me. So let me see how I can extend this to other people. Totally. And I feel like just life experiences and how God kind of has had things unfold within like our own lives to then speak into other people's lives. I know that all the experiences I've walked through are directly related to the things that I get DMs and emails asking advice for. And it's just so much easier to speak into it because I've been there and I know what God can do through it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what has been, like, the most challenging part about um, being a believer in the music industry? I know that you uh, have music that worships God and honors Him, but I'm sure there has to be, like, tough parts of it. Like, what has been the most challenging um, part for you? Right, yeah. I mean, one of the things that's interesting about what I do is, like, I, um, you know, I've been doing this on YouTube for 14 years at this point and most of my YouTube audience um, they're not believers they're not Christians at all um, you know I would presume that they know that I'm a Christian because I'm very open about it but you know we all know how the YouTube algorithm works like someone can miss like five videos of yours and then they leave a comment like you had a baby and I'm like yeah she's almost one <laughs> like, um, so yeah so most of my audience on YouTube they're they're not Christian because when I started out, I, I was singing Christian songs, I was singing worship songs, but I was also singing Jonas Brothers and Miley Cyrus, and um, so that's how a lot of people found my stuff, as well as through the Tourette Association, which is a, you know, a, a, an organization that is not affiliated with one particular religion or faith background. Um, and then with my music, because I, you know, was uh, primarily played on Christian radio, um, most of my listeners to my music are Christians, but then there are also the people that found my music through MTV and VH1, and, um, you know, I was, like, saying with, like, Kelly Clarkson and stuff, so, like, there's, like, 
such a, a broad audience of, of, you know, who listens to my music. And so I think that's one thing for sure that is always interesting um, because I, I do deal with people saying things like, oh, you changed this, you covered a song that wasn't Christian. And I'm like, well, I've been covering wholesome music for 15 years, but some people didn't know that. And, you know, I don't want them to feel bad for not knowing, but I also don't. I, like, deal with the insecurity of them thinking that I've changed. I'm like, no, I haven't changed. You just haven't seen my YouTube videos, you know. Um, so I think that's something that's just continually intricate. Um, and then I think another another thing, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for the Lord's grace for sure, because I know that I'm in a better place now than I was before, but I think community was something that was really difficult. I I know that I'm a flawed human because I'm sent to human but I, I struggled because I made the presumption that because people said that, oh, I write Christian music or I make Christian music or I promote Christian music, that that they were, that everybody would have kind of agree on the same lifestyle, you know. And so um, that was something that was really difficult um, for me to process early on, but I'm, I'm grateful for the community that I have now, you know. Um, I had some touring and traveling experiences where, um I, I I was exposed to seeing people with you know ex- ex- experimenting with drunkenness and, and, and drug use and um, just inappropriate things sexually and so um, I was isolated for so long and I think that loneliness is just something that was terrible for me because one it sucks and then two I deal with anxiety and depression and so being alone was just a recipe for disaster. Um, but I'm grateful now for the community that I have. I'm grateful for the village that I have. And um, it's it's a part of my story that makes things complex and difficult. But I'm just grateful for God's grace and, you know, where, where he brought me from. Wow. That is so cool. And I think that sometimes we just kind of assume that, I mean, I know that I just kind of assume that, oh, well, Christian music is so different. It has this, like, hail around it. And everyone lives, like, totally for Jesus and it's just such a wholesome environment but I it must be so challenging when it's not and you you had to like stand up for what you believed in even in the face of isolation and that has to be pretty hard no it is really hard yeah and I and and I'm also grateful too I always like to make sure that I mention that there are you know some amazing people that have you know walked with me and people that are like literally who they say they are, you know what I mean? And it's just, you know, it's by God's grace, but I think that in any industry, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, church culture, whether it's a a finance business that was founded by Christian people, whether it's, you know, uh, um, I don't know, a printing company founded by Christian people, an electrical company by Christian people, like, wherever we are, like, we're all flawed humans, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're all going to make mistakes, and, and we will all have seasons as of living a life that is different from the life that we've been called to live and and maybe even different from the life that we claim to live, you know. Um, I, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to the, the, the meshing of the worlds of Christian and inter- Christian Christianity and entertainment, the presumption is that, 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 that it's exempt from those issues and that it's exempt from those complexities, but the reality is, is that none of us are above temptation, and none of us are above falling, and um, so I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, I'm just grateful for where I am now, and 
grateful that I was able to, you know, stand my ground and, and, and really just continue to be who I was. You know, I, I, I experienced, like, with, like, older men and, you know, claiming to be, like, strong Christians in the industry, like, uh, making, like, physical advances toward me and stuff. And, and I remember even telling other, you know, musicians and stuff like that about it and just kind of being told, like, yeah, well, just it's going to be okay. Just don't worry about it. And I'm like, it's not going to be okay. Like, that was trauma, you know. <laughs> like, I'm a 19-year-old girl. That was traumatic for me. Um, and, yeah, it, it can be heartbreaking and, and frustrating. But I also remember sharing experiences with, with other people and being told, you know, well, you know, we're we're gonna do it. We're gonna do the right thing by this, and you know, this is righteous anger. You're not angry for no reason and stuff like that. And so, I know it's kind of. I feel like on two extremes, it could seem very vague what I'm sharing, but then on the other end of the extreme, for I think people and especially women that have gone through things like what I've gone through, it doesn't seem super vague. But I think the the gift of it all is that even though we can be hurt by people and even though we can experience that pain, that like, I know I said it already, but God's grace will always prevail. And God will always, like, God will always have the final word and he will always win in the end. And so just holding true to that and just surrounding myself with people that hold true to that as well. I love that. I think that's that's really relatable for well, excuse me, for anybody um, and whatever they face in life, that his grace will always prevail. I I just love how you said that and how you just kind of summed that up because I think that that's so relatable if we're going with, like, friends drama or family drama yeah. or whatever it is, that his grace is still good, even in our pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. So how has being diagnosed with Tourette's just affected your life personally and professionally? And how how has it just, like, shaped who you are? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because when I first was dealing with my diagnosis, the core of my prayer was, you know, God fix it, God take it away. And, you know, I believe that he could totally do that, like today or tomorrow or in heaven, you know, because I believe that's how often God is. Um, but the, 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 the core of my prayer has completely shifted over the last 15 years, or, well, I'm older than I think I am. Um, 18 years, 17 years, I was diagnosed at 11 and I'm 28. So, um, yeah, the core of my prayer now has just been like this gratitude for what Tourette syndrome has done for my life. You know, um, I've, I've become not saying that you have to have Tourette to be compassionate, but like, I'm a, I, I know that I'm a very compassionate person because my Tourette has isolated me and my Tourette has made me feel less than and it's made me feel like I'm not enough. And so learning to find my value in Christ has allowed me to shift my focus to understand that, wow, if I've been there, I must not be the only one. And so, you know, when I see someone else that seems lonely or seems like they don't fit in, I have this compassion for them and understanding that, no, I get what it's like to be different. I get what it's like to feel like you're, you know, you have no control over your own life. You know, I, I understand that. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And that's been a huge part of my prayers, especially lately, is just that gratitude for the perspective on life that having an illness gives you. Um, and, um, yeah, so that, that's one thing for sure. Um, and I mean, it is still challenging. Um, I, my, my like level of exhaustion, like if I have like a 
a bad, like, you know, tick moment or something like that, it could, it can kind of look something like a seizure for like a few minutes. And I get so exhausted afterwards. <laughs> like, I get so tired. So that's one thing that on the, like, on the flip side of things where it's definitely changed my life, like, not so great because trying to, like, I have a daughter, she's only 10 months old, but she knows how to walk and she just learned how to open doors. And so I'm, like, chasing her around the house constantly. Well, I shouldn't say constantly. I have an amazing husband. So, like, 60% of the time, I'm chasing her around the house. And so, like, if I'm chasing her on the house and then I go to, like, take, like, a little snack break and then I have, like, a twitch or tick moment for a few minutes, I mean, I need a three-hour nap. I'm, like, not even exaggerating. So that's just been something that's really challenging is just learning how to manage my new role as a mom while having this condition that makes me exhausted. Um, but I mean, other than that, like it's, it's just a part of, you know, it's just a part of who I am at this point. It's like having, it's like having an annoying relative that like lives with you. <laughs> You're just like, well, it's here. So I'm going to do the best that I can. And it's just, it's what it is. I love, um, just how you pointed that out. And I know how hard it must be, but I love that you said that in like a way you kind of are grateful for it because it helps you learn compassion and just have a bigger heart for people. And in my own life, I will say to so many people, and I've written so many articles that I am so thankful that I had cancer because in a weird way, like if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't know what it feels like to be made fun of or be feel so excluded or have no control. And like, I think those things like, are what show us God's character the most. So I really, really love that you said that. Well, like, as I was saying that, I was like, well, I started thinking, I was like, oh, wait, you probably understand this, like, on a very significant level. Like, maybe more than I do. It's like, when you've gone through something like that, especially as a child, like, your perspective on life is is different forever. Mm -hmm. And you, you can't even really explain it, but I'm sure you understand that completely. Of like, it, you see humans in a new light, and you see love and everything just in a completely new way. Oh, definitely. And you got diagnosed at 11. I got diagnosed at 10. So we were very similar in age and it it changed like how I even related with kids. I know that when eventually I went back to school, it was so hard for me to relate to other people just because of what I've seen and like how God had matured my heart, which I'm sure is the same for you. Yeah. Well, it's like, you don't, you know, I struggled with not wanting to make other kids feel less than because of what they were going through. Like if, mm-hmm. if an 11 year old was like, yeah, I'm having a hard time because this homework assignment is frustrating me. Like that is the biggest thing in their life possibly. And that is a really big deal. But I did struggle with that as an 11 year old because I was like, wow, I wish the hardest thing was homework. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, reminding myself, like, don't say it out loud. Don't say it out loud. Just, like, help them with the math problems and move on. So, but, you know, just, that, I get that. Like, my, my level, my concept of pain was so different in case my age. But I, but I, I just tried to be gracious. I think that's why I have the middle name I have. It's a little ironic to... <laughs> Like, okay, well, we'll just name you Grace because you're going to need a lot of it. (laughs) We can all use more Grace. I know that I definitely can. 
Totally, but yeah. that is so relatable, and that just cracks me up because I was the same way. Um, <laughs> but what was the writing process um, of your devotional weighted out like? Was that heavily influenced by um, just everything in general or, like, one point in your life? Like, how did God put it on your heart to write that, and how did that unfold? Yeah, um, I actually started writing Waited Out when I was single. Um, I was, you know, waiting. I, I kind of joke and say, like, when I got married, I was a super virgin. And so I have, like, no experience. Um, and I just was, well, I wanted to write just kind of like a, I wanted to write a book about being single. That's actually what it was. And then it's like every time I sat down to write it, I mean, ultimately, it was just the fact that it was just not God's timing yet for me to write it. But there were just times where I just felt like I was complaining too much. And then when I would try to, like, not complain, then I felt like I I found it like the book was just turning into, like, like an advertisement for, like, guys to date me. Like, <laughs> I was like, chapter three, I'm ready for a man. So like, I, the timing just never worked out for me to write that book. But I, I had, like, little excerpts that I thought were good. It just wasn't. It just didn't make sense. Um, but, yeah, so when I actually, like, I think I started writing, like, with the title weighted out and stuff. It was a little bit after my husband and I got married. And um, just, you know, after being married for a little bit, I just started to realize, like, how grateful I was that I waited. Um, but at the same time, I struggled with the concept that is perpetuated in Christian culture of just like, just like putting virginity on a pedestal and putting lack of sexual experience on a pedestal. And don't get me wrong, I'm very glad that I was a virgin when I got married. And I, you know, I will encourage as many people as I can to wait. Um, but I, I just didn't like the idea that it, it almost seemed like in many uh, church um, circles that like, like, okay, here's the here's the Bible study for the virgins. Okay, here's the Bible study for y'all that have already done it. You know, and I felt like there were not there were not two groups. I felt like it was whatever your past is, like that's what the cross was for. It covered that. So like I don't care if you have like never look at your own business down there or if you've seen everybody's in your city like it doesn't matter like that's what the cross is for and so when you choose to wait your past is eradicated and Mm -hmm. yes of course you know my husband has been celibate for a few years and so we have different testimonies and that brought on a lot of conversations for he and I and there were some challenges that we worked through in our engagement and in our marriage for sure but his his testimony is no less valid than mine simply because I hadn't had sex before we were married. So that's kind of why I wrote the book is because I was angry. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love that because I know that my husband and I were both, we met at church and we were going to church and we ended up having sex before we were married and we got pregnant and our 
the church we were at at that point did not handle it gracefully and we were shunned by all of our friends and we ended up going to a church that I had gone to a few years prior and had so thankful for that but there really is like kind of um like I guess a scarlet letter over over that that sector and you're so easily shunned in Christianity if you admit to it and I think that's something that I've really, really walked through and I really admire your heart to just like put it out there and be like, look, it doesn't matter if you've done it or haven't, like we are all equal and God had his only son die on the, on the cross for our sins. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't understand, like, like, yeah, I don't understand how, how we as a church can, you know, shun people for something that they've done it's like are there consequences are there things that happen when you've made a mistake or when you've done something you shouldn't have done like yes there are but like we're we are we're preaching a false gospel Mm. if we don't extend grace and and that is that is dangerous territory right there so like if you want to preach the gospel okay live the gospel but if you don't want to live it then I don't really think you have the authority to preach it, so, I don't know, we could, I could, go, I could, we might have to, there might have to be a, uh, after hours podcast with conversation, <laughs> like, get my anger out on that, I wouldn't say I'm angry, I'm just passionate. Yeah, I'm passionate. You know? Um, like, I, I can't tell you how many, you know, when you're speaking of DMs earlier, I can't tell you how many DMs I get from, from girls that, very similar stories. Um, as yours, and I just, I don't, I just don't under, I just don't understand. I, I don't, I don't want to risk, like, saying something incredibly controversial, so you're welcome to edit this out, but, um, one of my, um, one of my cousins, she, um, she got pregnant at, like, 18 or something like that, and, um, she wasn't married, um, and she called me to tell me, and I think that she was kind of nervous to tell me, you know, because, like, your cousin's Jamie Gray is a Christian virgin singer, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think she was, like, a little, like, nervous to call me and tell me that she was pregnant. Um, well, to call me and tell me that she had been sexually active, and then to also call me and tell me that, hey, I'm pregnant. So she, she told me, yeah, she told me on the phone, and then... I took a beat, you know, I was, of course, like I said, like, I would have liked for her to have waited till she was married, so I took a beat, but at the same time, I can't change the past, mm. and so I asked her, I said, okay, well, um, I said, well, you know, what are you going to do, and she said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to have the baby, and I had no idea what to say because I was honestly feeling so broken that the Lord gave me a sentence to say that literally rings in my head now. And her daughter's over a year old, but this sentence still rings in my heart. And I said to her, well, I'm so proud of you for choosing life. Mm. And, and I just, I can't take credit for that because it was nothing but the Lord. But I just think like how many times when we, I mean, yes, we are all responsible for our own actions, but how many times do we, when we as the church choose to shun people because of one choice, mm. do we push them into another one? And I just, it just grieves me. And yeah, 
I just, you know, my cousin is now, she has an awesome little girl, and um, the, 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 um, the baby's father is investing in the child's life, and um, I, I, don't, I don't know what else I could have asked for. You know, like I said, I can't change the past, so now I have this awesome little cousin that has life in her lungs, and she can say a few words, and she runs around the house, and she's cute and cuddly. I don't... <laughs> I don't know what else I can ask out of that situation, so I just, I don't know. That's that's where my brain goes with that. Same. I mean, I know that I was always pro-life, but after going through um, the unplanned pregnancy, Ethan and I were really similar to your cousin. Ethan and I were 19, and I had just turned 20, um, and I was actually, like, so shocked by some of the people asking like well what are you gonna do and like some of the things that people had suggested I was really taken back by but after going through pregnancy and I always wanted children um I just didn't know God had it planned for that specific time uh I appreciate pro-life so much more and it's so deeper in my heart uh, to talk about it and to advocate for it because life is so sacred and God specifically has a purpose for every human. And who are we to, to take that away? You know, I mean, I, I think about, I literally think about like kids all the time. I mean, I think what you were saying earlier about like just having a passion for kids, a lot of it probably came from what you went through as a kid. Um, and I think about that all the time, you know, Aaron and I are always thinking about, I'm um, always talking about kids in foster care and um, praying for them by name and just asking the Lord when he'll allow our hearts, you know, to be able to, our hearts and our lives to be able to, you know, adopt older children in foster care because their lives are oftentimes looked over. And I can think about now with, like, the coronavirus, there's so many more. I don't know if you know, but, like, when kids are, um, they're able to get to college, even if they haven't been adopted through the foster care system, but now all the colleges have sent all the kids home. So now there are kids that don't, they never got adopted families and now they're being sent to homeless shelters and to group homes all over again. And it just, it breaks my heart. And so I understand that I'm, I'm always just thinking about like all the sweet little beautiful kiddos that, you know, all the babies like my cousin and like your, your, your child that, you know, maybe the parents weren't in anticipating, but, you know, they're, they're able to live such, such beautiful lives. And I think about the kids in foster care that are just, working hard to live their, their lives that they deserve to live. And so I'm, I'm right there with you. With you. I'm, I'm always thinking about the little ones and telling my husband I'm just ready to retire our huge um, piece of land in Texas and just <laughs> get all the kiddos and be like, okay, guys, come on. Like, just stay here with us because they, you know, they deserve, they deserve to live those, they deserve to live beautiful lives. So, yeah. My husband and I talk about that a lot and I think, to your point, like, yeah, going through what I went through really influenced that. Um, and seeing, like, so many children um, diagnosed with cancer at the same time as me lose their life. But um, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> so we should – We I have a few more questions, and we'll just, we'll just get off this topic. We'll have to talk about this later. I'll have to text you, but <laughs> uh, – All right, so back on topic – uh, what has been um, the hardest part about having such a public 
job and establishing uh, boundaries with your baby girl and your husband and protecting your family? You know, it's so interesting because, well, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but, like, I, I don't really, I, I feel like I actually, this is so, it's so weird. My answer might not make any sense, but I feel like I do a good job with it until people start asking me about it, and then I feel the need to, like, get sassy, and then I get annoyed. <laughs> Maybe that's something that I need to, like, bring up in therapy, like, <laughs> that's something I need to talk about. But, like, so, for example, if I, you know, want to go live on Instagram, like, two or three times a week, just for fun, like, I've been doing YouTube since I was 14 years old, so that makes sense to me. It's just a part of my life. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go live on Instagram. But if my husband is, like, reading a book, or he's just, like, sitting down, chilling out or something, I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, we have to go live on Instagram as a family. You know what I mean? Like, he, yes, he married me knowing what he was getting into, but we didn't live together or anything, so he really didn't know what he was getting into at the same time. So I don't, like, expect, you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. expect, like, oh, you have to do the same amount of YouTube videos that I do and stuff. Like, he enjoys it, but it's my full-time job and something he enjoys, and so we treat it in that way, respectively. But I have a hard time when, like, <laughs> this happens all the time. I'll, like, go live on Instagram or something, and people are like, where's Eric? Where's your husband? Why isn't he here? And I'm like, <laughs> but, like, if I say, oh, he doesn't want to be, then it's like, oh, your husband doesn't want to spend time with you? <laughs> and then it's like, no. And so then if I say, like, I'm at work, they're like, oh, this is your job. You're not doing this because you want to do it. It's so hard, like, I honestly feel like that is the most stressful thing is dealing with commentary from other people that I understand that I can ignore, but, like, maybe it's the preacher's kidding me that I just feel like no one should be ignored. And so I just, I don't know, I struggle with that because I'm like, I'll, like, I'll do something or I'll, you know, like, I'll play shows sometimes or I'll, like, go up for the autograph line and they're like, where's the baby? <laughs> like, she's taking a nap because she's a baby. And they're like, oh, are you going to bring her? I'm like, I'm not going to, like, make my baby come out with her, like, if she wants to. But, like, <laughs> but I, and that's hard for me because because I'm so open about everything. I think the expectation is that everything is supposed to be open. And, like, well, I didn't really, like, show my, my, you know, like, my bump when I was pregnant. And people were very offended. <laughs> they were just like, where's the bump? me up so much (laughs) my favorite quote that you said possibly this whole time is why are you so concerned with my gut
Like, <laughs> like I got a man, I got a baby, and a taco. I don't care about you. <laughs> like, what do you want? I don't know. I'm going to be fine now. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're too Thanks, much. <laughs> Oh, I, I had therapy today, so I'm just, like, chilling on top of the world over here. <laughs> oh, um, so what what advice would you give to a young girl who's listening today and thinks you're just so awesome and hysterical and um, they just want to walk forward in confidence of being who they are because you are so authentic and um, just following the dreams that God put on their heart. Man, I was just like, listen to everything I just said and like, do the opposite. Like, don't be weird. Um, no, I think it's just like, I I had to accept at an early age that I'm different. And not in a, not at all in some like artificial way of being different. Because if we're all trying to be this like, look at me, I'm quirky in my glasses. Then like, we're all going to just end up being the same. So we can't do that. Um, but I think I... Early on, I just had to embrace the things about me that made that made me who I am, that made me stand out, and, and realize that God made those parts too. You know, mm-hmm. um, God is God is a part of that too. Um, you know, as one huge thing for me, that I, I do have ADHD, um, and and it is it's really easy for me to get distracted, and um, sometimes my energy level can seem like it's on a ten. And and we're being in college, you know, I went to college at a time where I was like cool to be cool. You know, like, don't talk too much, don't do too much, like, chill out. Um, and that, that's just, that wasn't an option for me. <laughs> so I had to decide, like, look, I can either, like, try to force myself to be like everybody else, or I can just embrace the fact that I am really goofy. And the only way that I can get through the day is by laughing a thousand times a day. And, like, yes, of course, I understand, like, time and place, be respectful, honor other people and stuff like that. But, like, just when it came to just being myself and even, like, the, the way that I take pictures, like, you know, take a goofy selfie or the way that I write songs that randomly talk about having hot pink hair in the same verse that it talks about loving the Lord. It's like just embracing the things that make me unique um, and, and not being afraid to just really be myself. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I have a family that's always pushed me to be myself. Um, and I'm grateful that I have, you know, now a husband that really supports how weird I am and he means he's weirder than I am but he doesn't even have ADHD so I think that's a huge you know just a huge part of it it's just like like the stuff that you might look at and be like oh no I'm different oh no I stand out like God looks at you and says well well I made it and mm-hmm. I, I, I made you that way I I made your personality I, I made your laugh I like I love you why why don't you love you too so um so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the perspective that I developed, I think, early on. But I also am very okay with saying that I'm still developing. <laughs> I think that is so good. I think I wish that I could tell every single girl that because everybody just needs to know that, like exactly how they are and how weird they are, is what God intended for them, and that is totally amazing. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's. It's no fun if we're if we're all the same, you know. I I don't I don't think that that makes any sense, you know. Even I hear people say, you know, just say things like, "Oh yeah, like everybody, 
my community, like, you know, we all we all vote the same, we all think the same politically, or people say things like, Oh, I'm I'm colorblind, I don't even see color and so like I'm just like, Well, your life sounds boring. Like that sounds terrible. Like if everybody around you thinks the same and, and looks the same and is the same and like and you don't even see color, so you can't even admire all the beautiful complexions of humans, like, and all the different dialects and cultural aspects, like, we were made, we were, we were made to be individuals, to all stand out in a way, um, and the sooner we can all embrace that, I just think, you know, we'll all be much better off. Mm, I, I love that, 110%. Um, and you are such a joy to talk to and just so fun. But how can a listener connect with you today and follow your journey and uh, just follow your fun, crazy, entertaining self? Um, thank you. I think the uh, the main thing um, for sure is Instagram, you know, at Jamie Grace H on Instagram. It's the easiest place to find me. Um, I'm releasing music every month on social, or not on social media, I mean, yeah, but, like, on Spotify and stuff like that, um, so, yeah, Instagram for sure, that's where I post all of my songs and stuff, but also try to hit back DMs as much as I can, and then if you, you know, really all about it, I have a Patreon where I connect with people just, like, on a more personal level, and they, like, we just talk on more about a daily basis and stuff, um, but, yeah, all, literally all that stuff is on my Insta, it's the easiest place to find me. Awesome. Well, it was such a joy to have you on the podcast today. Yes, thank you so much. Like, I'm so glad we got to connect. I'll have to uh, stalk you on Insta as well. (laughs) Yes, totally. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. As always, it was such a joy and privilege to be able to share this conversation with you. And it was such a joy to be able to talk to my new sweet friend, Jamie Grace. I hope that you are leaving this episode feeling encouraged and inspired as much as I am. Make sure to stay up to date with all things Inspiring Honey by following Inspiring Honey on Instagram and checking the Inspiring Honey website. Every single Tuesday, a new podcast is posted, and every Thursday, a brand new blog comes out. Instagram, there are daily devotionals and inspirational posts uploaded, and there's brand new merchandise in the Honey Shop that will help support charities from every single purchase. It is such a joy to be able to get to know you, and I cannot wait to connect with you throughout the week. Never hesitate to email me prayer requests or anything that you need. I'm always here to be your friend and I'm looking forward to connecting with you next week. Have a great week.